I commanded whatever was else was there to leave, and it wouldn't leave. She's shaking her head again, and I said, what is your name? And, and she said, ah. and, and I put my ear close, and everyone's like mingling and stuff, right, except those who are watching. And, and I, I put my ear close, and she said, jealous. I'm like, ah, there it is. That's, that was the meaning of the vision. She was jealous, envious of that life. So I was like, all right, I command you to leave jealous right now in Jesus' name. And this is when many of y'all heard this. She, she arched her back, put her head up, and shrieked really loudly. I go through this gym. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip the Evangelist was preaching the gospel, casting demons out, it said demons came out with loud shrieks. And that's when I knew that thing left. And, 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 and so I asked her, is there any more? And she's like, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, say Jesus is Lord. She's like, Jesus is Lord. Say Jesus came in the flesh, Jesus came in the flesh. That's in First John. That false spirits can't say that. And, and, and so that's when I, I prayed over her. And she was just like, what happened? And she's like, I, I feel lighter. She's like, did I faint? And, and I'm like, well, the Holy Spirit took you out. And, and, and two demons left you, pain and jealous. And, and she was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, we got her some water. We sat her up here. And she looked a little embarrassed because she didn't know what happened to her, you know, but this is what God did. God set her free, and she's already experiencing the change in her this week. Praise God. Praise God. So thank you for testifying to what God did today. And I know many of us, you are not alone in this, Sister Melda, struggle with those same exact struggles. And if we give the enemy enough ground, he can, he can get in and make it a lot worse, you know. And so by God's grace, if you feel like you have any of those types of struggles, I would love to pray with you and let's resist the devil and make him flee. So praise God what he's doing here. God is, God is moving powerfully here. And I want to invite you guys to be a part of it. Chapter 16, these are the signs that will follow those who believe they shall cast out demons. This is what we're called to do. This is part of what Jesus said in the Great Commission. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. We need to do this, y'all. This is how we resist the devil and make him flee. James chapter 4. So with that said, Acts chapter 17, we just went through Acts chapter 16 where a demon was cast out of a slave girl, right? Paul cast it out. In Jesus' name, I command you to leave. It came out that very hour, right? And so he ended up in prison, but by God's grace, you know, earthquake, he gets miraculously delivered in that sense. And so, but they tell him, okay, Paul, y'all need to get out of here. You guys, we don't like y'all. <laughs> and so they go. So here we are. We're in Acts chapter 17. We're going to go through verses 1 through 15 here. And my sermon title here is called, To Suffer and to Rise. This is a phrase that's taken directly from the passage itself, to suffer and to rise. And what you're about to see right here is that Paul and those, the other missionaries there that are alongside him, partners in the gospel, what they do is that they know how to suffer and how to rise because they're following Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you are going through some suffering and you're going, I don't know how to handle this suffering, I don't know how to rise up from this suffering, I want to invite you what we want to do is we need to follow Jesus. Jesus who suffered and rose again for us. If we follow him rightly, we will know how to suffer and how to rise. And so my main point is right here in this next slide. How we suffer and how we rise is determined by how we follow Christ. Okay? How we suffer and how we rise is determined by how we follow Christ. We were just talking about this at prayer meeting yesterday, First, first Peter chapter 5, where it talks about, where First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, it says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, and at the proper time he will exalt you, casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, watchful, for the devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
So here we go. You got two choices right there. You got two choices. You can either, in your suffering for Christ, as you follow Christ, and you go through suffering, various kinds of trials through this life, as you go through them, you can choose either, in your anxieties regarding those sufferings, humble yourself under the hand of God, and cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You think no one cares about what you're going through? Jesus does. And he wants you to cast your cares upon him. And it's in that time, through that, he will lift you up at the proper time. He will lift up your spirits. He will fight for you. But if you choose not to, if you choose not to, the devil who's like a roaring lion will find his way to you and he can devour you, Christian. He can devour you. That was written to Christians. He can devour you if you do not do this. So you can either choose, I'm going to try to exalt myself through my suffering somehow, some way, by myself. And if you continue to do that, you can let the devil devour you. Or you can choose, I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God and let him lift me up. I cast my cares upon him because he cares for me and I'll let him lift me up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, it says this. It says, no one, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle, but with the temptation, he'll provide the way of escape so that you could bear up under it. What does this mean? What does this mean? Every day of your life, no matter what kinds of temptations and struggles you're going through, Jesus, he is faithful to you. God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape so that you can bear up under it. You have to look for that way of escape. You have to look for that strength to endure it. It's coming from Jesus. What does this mean? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're going through, God will make it a way that you do not fall. That you do not fall away. But you have to take it. It's up to you. Will you take the way of escape? So how we suffer and how we rise is determined by how we follow Christ. And you're about to see right here Paul and his missionary buddies, uh, Paul, Timothy, uh, Silas, and, and, and a new uh, guy named Jason we're about to, to meet here, is that they, the, the way that they suffer and that the way that they rise again is determined by how they are following Christ who died and rose again for them. You see? So here we go, verses 1 through 3. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And so Thessalonica obviously sounds uh, familiar to you. That is from uh, the book, the, the letter to the Thessalonians written by Paul. Okay? And so it says that he, he loved them so much uh, and, and that they not only shared the gospel with them, but he also shared their very lives with them. Okay, so that's in 1 Thessalonians 1 if you read that. Okay, and so here we go, uh, verse 2, and he says, like, I came to you preaching Christ crucified. That was my main message, and you see it right here. I love it when the Bible proves itself, right? And Paul went in, and as was his custom, and on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So for three straight uh, Sabbath days, that's a Saturday, okay, he reasoned with them. So this was his custom. Whenever he entered into a city, he would find a synagogue where there were Jews reading the scriptures, the Old Testament. And so from there, he could try to get the gospel out to them because they themselves are already positioned themselves with God's word open. And he tries to tell them, okay, here's what it's all pointing to. And then from there, he would usually get kicked out, beat up, and then, and then uh, the, the, the pagan religious crowd would also beat up Paul and arrest him and eventually get kicked out. You know, you know uh, Paul says that God told him that in every city there's awaiting him suffering. <laughs> every city. You see that right here in this passage. Two cities, he enters, preaches the gospel, and then he gets kicked out. This is exactly what's happening. Verse 3. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. 
So he takes them through for three weeks in a row. Look, all of this, this entire book, the entire Old Testament, your entire people's history, all of it has been pointing to this Jesus who was to suffer and to rise from the dead. And he says, he is the Christ, which means the anointed one, which means the Messiah, which means the Savior. He is the Savior that you've been waiting for. And look, I don't know what you're going through here today, but I know all of us has a story. All of us has a story, and you've been trying to make sense of your story. And look, every single story, every good story has a very significant problem, and then it has this amazing resolution, a solution to the problem. That's what makes for a great story, just like the testimony we just heard today. And right here, all of us, we have problems in our lives, and we don't know what to make of it. We're confused, we're bitter, we're angry, we're fearful, we're anxious, we're regretful, and we don't know what to do with the story. And I'm here to tell you right now, and I'm here to proclaim that Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution, but the key is, is that you have to choose what is going to be my story. This is my question. This is my diagnostic question for all of us. Okay, so if you want to know how to suffer and how to rise, the way that God is calling to you, you have to ask these five questions, this, uh, the four or five questions I have for you guys. What is your story? What is the story that you are going by? Some of you are kind of stuck in an episode. It's a rerun that's playing on repeat in your mind. And that's become your story, and you're living out of that. But what I want to invite you to do is to realize, I want you to see, just like Paul explained to these people, to these Israel, to, to, to the Jews, look, your entire story, your people's story, all of it was pointing to Jesus. And your life, your story, all of that is pointing to this Jesus who is your Savior. He is the solution. All of it. Every single part of your life, it's, it's thrusting toward this Savior. It's pointing to him. And I know many of you guys, how you guys ended up at this church, how, how God has saved you and redeemed you, how he's delivered you, all of that, you can look back and see God's fingerprints all over it and how he was pushing the narrative of your life forward to this very moment. Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're going, I still don't know this Jesus. I still haven't surrendered my life to this Jesus. Maybe I thought I did, but maybe I didn't. I want to invite you today, make him your story. Make him your story. He is the solution to all your fears, to all your resentments, all your hang-ups, all of your addictions, all of your depression, all of your despair, all of your confusion, all of your sin problem, all of your decay, all of your uncleanness, all of your death, all of your eternity, he is the solution to it all. Jesus, he is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the solution to your problems. He is. And we've been searching and searching and looking and looking and, and, and we just be admitted, it, it's not working. All these places you've been looking, all these things you've been looking to, it's not working. And I want to ask you next year on this time, at this date, do you want to end up next day in 2025 and go, I'm still the same person with the same exact struggles doing the same exact thing week in and week out. Do you want your life to be like that? I hope not. God has a story that he's inviting you into and he needs to be the solution. Do you see? Let's keep going here. And some of them were persuaded. They're at the synagogue and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Verse 5. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. 
So right here, my second diagnostic question I want us to ask, if we want to suffer and rise well, check this out. What do you desire? What do you desire? So some of the Jews, they're like, okay, I want this Jesus. I desire this Jesus. And many of the, the Greek men and women did too, right? But check this out. There are some other of the Jews, if we go back to the previous verse here, they grew jealous. These are presumably the Jewish religious leaders there. And they were jealous and they're going, we need to get rid of these guys. Notice it wasn't because we disagree with them theologically. They've not preached rightly. They have committed some sins and crimes. None of that. It's because they were jealous deep down in the heart. Oh, and it says in James chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, or, or for that is not wisdom from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, what James there is saying there, it's not from God. That's not from God. Matter of fact, it can be demonic. We just heard that this morning, didn't we? That amazing testimony. Church, church. I know all of us struggle. We have to deep down ask ourselves. We're usually living life on autopilot and we don't realize it. And jealousy creeps in, doesn't it? It creeps in through, you know, comparing on social media, through our community and circles of friends, comparing and contrasting. And jealousy creeps in. And I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, 4. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether I have a lot or little, this or that. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And the chapter right before that, he says, I count everything as loss. In the Excel spreadsheet, I take everything that I consider gain before, that the world tells me, this is what I'm supposed to pursue after, this is what I'm supposed to find my worth and security in, all of that. I control all, (laughs) select all, and I delete it. And I put it, matter of fact, I control paste it (laughs) into the loss column and say, these things are getting in my way, and I'm finding my contentment in Jesus, and he's giving me strength to find my contentment in him as my greatest treasure. And I love what Sister Melda did last Sunday to renounce this. I led her in prayer to renounce it. And by the grace of God, that demon of jealous had to leave. And she's experiencing the change in her life already at work. She could try to tear down this other coworker, but she's going, that's not holy. That's not right. Why? Because her contentment is in Christ now. He is her treasure. Do you see? What do you desire? Next verse, please. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying, there is another king, Jesus. Pause right there, verse 7. So, they're going, right, they're jealous, right? So they're going, these men have turned the world upside down. Which, by the way, is a great compliment to you if you're a Christian, okay? <laughs> they turned the world upside down. 
Now, here's the thing, here's the thing. The world, right, Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of the mind, that by testing you may discern the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. Look, the world is the one that is actually upside down. So these guys are right and they're wrong at the same time. But what Jesus came to do is he came to turn what was upside down and turn it right side up, do you see? I've told this story before. There was a fighter jet. This woman pilot, she was flying at very high speed. And then all of a sudden, those who were watching saw her. She was actually flying upside down and went right down into the water and died. Turned out that she didn't realize she was flying upside down and she thought she was going to do a steep ascent going up into the sky only to find out she was about to crash down below. This is what's going on with the world. This is us if we choose not to follow Jesus closely. We are living upside down and Jesus is trying to turn us right side up before we go down. Do you see? But check this out. I love how they said there's another king, King Jesus. What we see here, you need to give up to King Jesus if you want to go up with King Jesus. Do you see? You got to give up to King Jesus if you want to go up with King Jesus. Do you see? You got to surrender it all. You got to surrender it all. And so this is my other diagnostic question is who is your ruler? Who is your ruler? Who or what rules you? And if we're going to be honest, it's usually the person in the mirror, isn't it? We decide, I'm going to decide what's good and right for my life. I'm going to decide how I'm going to bring resolution to the problems that I got. Matter of fact, in the spiritual realm, we know that Satan himself, it says in, in 1 John that he's, the, or Jesus says that he's the ruler of this world. We, Adam and Eve, we abdicated our authority to Satan in the garden. When we chose, I'm going to try to be God's, and Satan's like, psych, it's mine now. Who is your ruler? It's going to be yourself, some political ruler, maybe your friend group. Who's it going to be? Let it be King Jesus. Let it be King Jesus. Let him determine everything. Surrender 100% of your life. He doesn't want 99% of your life. He wants 100% of your life. 99% of your life to Jesus is disobedience. If he is king, we owe him everything. Why? Because he gave everything up for us at the cross. Who is your ruler? Let it be King Jesus. Let's keep reading here. Verse 8. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money and security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue again. This was the pattern. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. <laughs> they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica heard that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. 
Okay, I want to end right here. My, my last question is this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? If we go to verse 11, please. It says this. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so <laughs> Luke, who's recording this account down, he, he's, he's saying, look, compared to those guys in Thessalonica, it, was just, it just said like some of them believed, right? And then, and then a, a good amount of the Greeks. But it says here is that these Jews at this synagogue over here in Berea, they received it with eagerness. They're going, wow, wow, okay, okay, tell us more, Paul, tell us more. Tell us more about this Jesus, who is the Savior, who is the Christ, tell us more. And, there, and it says daily, they're reading the word of God to make sure that this is true, which is the Old Testament. Again, the entire Old Testament points to Jesus, written millennia and hundreds of years before Jesus actually arrived on the scene according to all the 300 plus prophecies that were written about him. And they're going, oh my goodness, this, 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 is, this is legit. Oh my goodness, it's right there in God's word. And we didn't see it. And again, I want to encourage you guys to acquaint yourself with the word of God with great eagerness. Study it and see how all of it points to Jesus. All of it points to Jesus. I want you guys to notice that Paul's message at both Thessalonica and Berea, it wasn't a list of do's and don'ts. He didn't get up there to, to preach a list of do's and don'ts. What he preached was Christ crucified and risen again according to the scriptures. He preached the good news. All of this is one grand story. Let this be your story that you live into. And see from the scriptures themselves, don't take it from me, anything that any of the pastors say up here, whether you hear from the pulpit, or whether you're listening to a podcast, or you're watching the press, or you're hearing stuff from your peers, Make sure you go to God's word and compare and make sure that what you're hearing is true. And if it's false, discard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but test prophecies. Hold on to the good. Abstain from every form of evil. It's exactly what he says here. This, this is exactly what these Bereans did. Paul just tells the Thessalonians to do that. These Bereans say, okay, let me look in God's word. Let me make sure it's true. Let me make sure that everything lines up with God's word. If it doesn't, eh, don't receive it. How we suffer and how we rise is determined by how we follow Christ. Here are the diagnostic questions. What is your story? Let it be Christ who suffered and rose again for you. Let that be your main story and live out of that. What do you desire? More than anything, let it be Jesus. Let him be your greatest treasure. Who is your ruler? Let it be King Jesus. Not yourself, not the devil, not anyone else. Let it be King Jesus and he wants 100% of you, not 99. Where is your faith? What is the basis of your faith? It's found right here in God's word given to us. Search through the scriptures and see and put your faith in the God that it points to and live for him and follow him closely. And this is how you will suffer and how you will rise in the way that God wants you to in a way that honors him and with great joy you can endure tribulation for his glory alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word that is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. 
Lord, we confess here, Lord, apart from you, apart from you speaking directly to us, we are in darkness. Our world is upside down in the worst way possible. So Jesus, we, we invite you, we invite you, Lord. King Jesus, turn our world right side up. Turn our world right side up. Turn my life right side up, God. Forgive us. Thank you, God. For, thank you, Lord, for the good news that this all points to is that Jesus, the suffering servant, went to the cross. Though he was king, he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. And he, he loved us so much that he died in our place as a servant, in our place. And, and every drop of blood was for his enemies, us, to wash us clean of all of our sins for all the times that we said, I will be the ruler of my life. For all the times that we told the devil, yes, I believe your lie. Forgive us, oh God. Wash us clean and set us free in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, have mercy on us. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts, Lord. Only room for you. 100% of us, God, we want to be filled with the Spirit. 999, 100%. We surrender everything to you, King Jesus. Lord, in view of your mercies, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. As an act of spiritual worship to you, God. And we choose today to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. In view of your mercies in the gospel, so that we may discern and walk in your good, pleasing, and perfect will in our lives, which includes suffering and rising. Thank you, God. Do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.